You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sport Matters, podcast number 41, where I'm joined with a man himself, our Greek freak, the Cypriot assassin, Gregory Yeroshadis. What's up, D-Dot? Running a two-man pod today. Unfortunately, Gregory and I will be filling in for Graffin, who's currently He's in Alberta, antiquing in the northern Albertan wilderness. He's a well-known antiquer. He loves it. He loves it. He loves going to like little shops, shooting the shit. Attempting to talk basketball with small. white folks in middle, uh, the Midwest of Canada, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, he, he loves antiquing with small town folk. Figur- <laughs> figurines. Figurines. He likes to collect uh, WWF action figures, actually. That's, that's his like, go-to thing. From, well, not, from the 1980s specifically. And it's specifically 1980s. He's got an Etsy shop up right now, guys. And Javon is uh, unfortunately not with us as well. He's currently in the countryside in France, in wine country, in Bordeaux country. Javon is a wine enthusiast so uh, stepping on grapes stepping on grapes actually Javon is currently with his team they're playing a tournament in Paris France and Graffin's got some work to do in Alberta but uh, you got us too um, thank You're you so stuck much for with us, in, guys. Just want to appreciate the uh, the one year. Um, you know, we started this podcast off, you know, with one listener. Now we have five listeners. So <laughs> 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 quite, quite the growth of the podcast. But nonetheless, uh, we have a bunch of topics to get to. Specifically in the first quarter, some Toronto Raptors basketball. So since the last podcast, our team has gone five and three with some wins over the Pacers, Magic Mavericks, Nets, and last night the Denver Nuggets with mm. three unfortunate losses to the Cleveland Cavaliers, LA. Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. We didn't really get an opportunity to discuss the Cleveland Cavaliers loss. What are your thoughts on that game? Before we get to this, though, I just want to briefly, briefly, briefly play one clip of LeBron James after the game, sort of discussing um, the evolution of the Toronto Raptors. The Kings. Uh, I'll be back in a sec, guys. Uh, well, first of all, I haven't looked at him over the last few months. I've watched him, obviously, as a because I watch basketball every night, so I've seen him. Um, they're, they're a better team, um, and I think they're a better team because they, they was able to re-sign Lowry and re-sign DeRozan. Uh, they kept that nucleus together. Uh, Valanciunas has gotten better, um, and they have shored up their bench. I think, um, you know, with Porto, Siakam, um, you know, um, Wright, uh, Van Fleet, who killed us in Toronto before our last game, um, C.J. Miles, they do a good job of just keeping up the tempo when they make those subs, but... It all starts with DeRozan and Lauer. We all know that, and they've been playing exceptionally. So LeBron sort of uh, reflecting on uh, maybe an eventual fear. I know the Cleveland Cavaliers did beat the Raptors, but realistically we might face them again in Eastern Conference Finals. And I think he's sort of um, – I think he's verbally illustrating the little respect for the, for the team from the North. Yeah, you know, it's really good that we actually took some time off in between the podcasts because we let – the lost breathe mm-hmm. some of these reaction podcasts and i 
and I do my homework, right? Like I listen to the different podcasts in the city and just, you know, people act like the sky is falling, right? Like they mimic the American media, right? You listen to to, to all the, the first takes, the hot takes, the no takes, talking about how, oh, this was a huge statement game well, for well, Cleveland. Hold on one second. Speaking of hot takes let's listen to your uh, your good buddy your uh your favorite member of the sport media Stephen a smith my boy talk about the toronto raptors outlook moving into the playoffs let's do it if you think that somebody in the east is going to take yes, lebron please. james out inside of six games or seven games something is wrong with you please listen i respect the hell out of the toronto raptors i got a lot of respect for lowry and demar DeRozan and valentunas and serge Ibaka. Obviously, they're formidable. What LeBron could do in the post against most teams would be significantly more difficult to do against those guys in the post because, you know, they, they can play, and we get all that. And I have profound respect for Dwayne Casey, who I consider to be one of the best coaches in the entire NBA. He is something special, no doubt about it. It's not an accident that the Dallas Mavericks, as great as Rick Carlisle is, the one lone championship on a Dallas Mavericks resume was with Dwayne Casey as the leading assistant coach under Carlisle. I got mad respect for, the, for Dwayne Casey. And Messiah is Messiah. I get all of that. But they can't get on the court for these brothers. And at the end of the day, you got to go up against LeBron. So, thoughts? I'm Stephen A. Smith. I use words like <laughs> elocute to hide the fact that I really am a hack journalist. Look, you've been developing a lot of hate for Stephen A. Smith for a couple of years now. I think you guys have to have some sort of celebrity boxing match. He's a pretty big guy. I think it'd be... I no, would I love to fight Stephen A. Smith for charity. Look, look. <laughs> I, you know, he's he he does what he does. You know, it's it's sensationalist. I don't actually think he has ever taken the time to just sit down and watch the Raptors. That's why I don't when believe you, he actually believes half the shit that comes out of his. Well, no, you hear him. Okay, this is how you know that someone hasn't actually been watching the Raptors when they just mentioned Demar Derozan's improved three point shot. That's kind of a myth. If anything, what Demar's gotten better at this year is his passing, his transition defense, right, and his playmaking. But if we just could go back there, Brandon, right? Because again, the narrative after the loss was that this proves definitively that Cleveland is better than the Raptors. And it was interesting listening to actually what Charles Barkley said. He goes, actually, I think that game was a message sent by the Raptors to the Cavs. Mm -hmm. Look, this is what happened. We came out and we did exactly what we did to them in the first game. We just ran them out of the gym. And then halftime hits. And I had the pleasure of listening to Hubie Brown. Right? A guy that has forgotten more about basketball than I will ever know. Where am I? Who is this? <laughs> Where are these lights in my face? Right okay, but what he said was at halftime, hey, if you're Cleveland, you need to come out here with mad energy because unlike the Raptors who have first place locked up, if the Cavs drop that game, right? If they drop that game, they would have dropped to like seventh or something like that. That was a must-win game for Cleveland. And what you saw in the second half, much like you saw, I think, in the, in the uh, Los Angeles game, was a desperate team, right? One team playing desperately versus a Raptors team that really was kind of coasting. They came out of the locker room uh, against the Cavs in the second half, and they just well, didn't have that, that that snarl anymore. Can you imagine the media-based narrative that the Cavaliers weren't able to beat the Raptors? Was, you know, Because yeah. I think everyone would be sort of stating that this is the, the Cavaliers are done, the team has no shot at even being the Raptors in the playoffs or any team in general. Like, I think I think people would be just shitting on the organization. Which is why, right? actually, but the I, fuck I'm thing. fine with the loss. Right? Because right? it was, at least this way, it's like the Spurs, right? Fly under the radar, right? But, again, uh, I think... 
obviously uh, the the defense was an issue, and that's why it was so great to actually see them rev it up mm-hmm. against the Nuggets last night. Right. And I don't know if you sat down and took that game, and I know you're a big Denver fan. Bench, I that bench that was closed a, out the game, baby. That was a hell of a game. Bench it, closed out the game. Kyle Lowry plus the rest of the bench, but still, that was a very impressive performance. How many teams in the NBA that can put out? You know their 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 bench unit against you know a, a perennial playoff contender in the Western Conference. Did you see that dunk by Jakob Puddle? Ooh, and it is Puddle, not Purdle, Puddle. Did you see that dunk? I, I did. He see Blake Griffined it. He threw it downward into the net. What do you call him? The Austrian hammer. The Austrian hammer. <laughs> and 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 again, if I can say, you know, to all those people out there. That one year ago, we're saying trade JV for a box of airplane peanuts. He is de facto. I think he's our. He should be our third score. Like, okay, Ibaka. Look, I think him and Ibaka should be splitting that 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 third score role. It, it bothers me that they'll go to JV in the beginning. He'll we'll get a lead through him, or 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 he'll be dominating inside, and then they'll just forget about him. But you know, when he's on the court, mm-hmm. use him. Right. This is something that Leo Rottens has been saying, and I really actually agree with it. I would rather see JV's little baby hook than a Serge Ibaka, like, pump fake, yeah, fadeaway three-pointer. Yeah, not the flashiest guy out there, but you, you kind of take a second glance at the box score and he's put up a 15-10 and 10 line already, right? I think the issue with Ibaka, and we were kind of talking about this the last couple of days, you know, was what impacted the Raptors last few seasons, you know, especially with the open shot. We saw guys like Damari Carroll and Patrick yeah. Patterson who were unable to drain the no, open and three, and we're kind of saying the same same thing as Serge Ibaka, especially when it comes to trimming minutes come playoff time. Do you think Serge Ibaka is going to be that guy that's going to lose minutes to a guy like Pascal Siakam or even the emerging Yaka I th- Well, I think with Ibaka, he's got to hit that open three or at least hit it enough to keep defenses honest. And, you know, I mean, you brought up Siakam, and this is something, you know, Jovan, I remember last year when we started the pod and Jovan came in here and he was just like, that guy's my guy, right? Pascal is my guy. He is, he has that basketball coach's eye, right? Like he saw something in him. And, and you know, I, I saw it too. We could see that he's a competent player. He's a good athlete. It's a perimeter defense for me though. But, but, Not but, too many guys at the floor can do that to LeBron James. I knew, though, that he had that level of athleticism. What I didn't know, and what partly explains this, is that he was a soccer player, and his footwork is so good, and, he, mm-hmm. and he's got shimmy and flow. He's got, you know, he can cross you up. He can he shoot can take, off the dribble? Yeah, no, right? Like, he, he's got, you know, a little something-something in his game. He is he is just exploding as a player. So if you talk about Ibaka struggling in the playoffs, you know, I would like to see them go with with – uh, JV and Siakam more. The issue with Siakam is that outside shot. And, yo, I was hating. I was like, why is this guy taking so many shots? Mm-hmm. Why does he keep on shooting it? Why isn't Casey raining it in? But now he shot himself through the, the negative of the slump, and he's come out, and he actually looks confident shooting it. Well, it's a luxury of the situation with our depth. You know, we have so many interchangeable parts depending on the matchup. Um, especially come the playoff time, you know we have so many different ways to sort of hide certain players, mm-hmm. or it's 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 a really awesome uh, awesome situation. But talking about playoffs, um, the Eastern Conference is sort of shaping up the pecking order coming to playoffs, kind of, kind of making somewhat, sense, I guess. somewhat. Yeah, we, we know the Pistons aren't making the playoffs. That's literally the only thing we know right Poor now. Poor Van Gundy. So Bucks, Heat, Wizards, all sort of smashed together at six, seven, eight. Um, fighting for a pecking order, I guess. Realistically, who is the easiest team for us in the first round? Because I've been a big guy in the Washington Wizards. Would uh, I, I think I'm thinking of like like long like max upside. 
worst case scenario type of situation. Guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo or you know even. Um, but a Wizards team with John Wall, you'd want to play in the first round. Yeah. See, I okay, I don't because he's back. John Wall this season is a clear indication that he's not healthy. They're gonna rush him back in the playoffs. I don't think hey, like, it would be nice to beat them. He was one of the least efficient players in the NBA prior to his injury. The guy yeah. was literally a cadaver standing there on the court. His athleticism was gone, and I'm not quite sure if he's gonna have his legs back come playoff time. And I and he's I not a shooter, and I've said this before on the podcast. I I get so annoyed watching John Wall watch his teammates in sunglasses. Like try to look. Less involved. Mm-hmm. Try to look like you give yeah, less of a shit. Okay, like, hey, uh, as a black man, you can one hundred percent wear your sunglasses inside. That is, no, but that, when that, you're that's sub- like an unwritten law. Sure. If but, I fucking try to wear my sunglasses, but as a inside, teammate, I deserve to get shot on. But as a teammate, oh, like like how do you? Okay, so DeRozan didn't play the other game. We rested him. I think it was against New Jersey. Okay, he was in his sweats. Like he wanted to dress and be part of the team, and his he was eyes like, "Eyes are bloodshot from the night before." And he was up. <laughs> no, but he was up, and he was, and he was, you know, congratulating guys. Right? John Wall sits there like he's the man, and that's what I said about this team. If you go back to this to the early podcast mm. that we did, we're talking about project for the season, and we're projecting the teams, and I was like, "There's something about the Wizards; they don't like each other. You could tell, right? They don't have the same camaraderie." Well, I and, think like problem the last couple of years was this sort of like weird body language between Bradley. But it's still there, right? Like, like, like to me, and it's not Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal gets along well with his teammates. It's John Wall. You saw how he like had this public spat with with Martin Gortat, and then apparently they haven't even talked and squashed it. They're just kind of like letting it breathe out like that. Like that's not a way, right? That's not a, a way that a functioning team works. But look, uh, to me, the easiest team to play, and I know people don't don't agree. With, I think Miami. Miami just doesn't have the scoring to, to to compete with us in a series. I know they're tough and all that stuff, but you know what? We're bigger and tougher. Well, they're also missing offensive Jesus, Dion Waiters. Well, that's what I mean. Without <laughs> without he who walks on water, okay. <laughs> without okay, without Waiters, like they they just don't don't really have a go to score. But uh, none of them are easy matchups because you don't. There's not any separation between th- uh, four and eight. So realistically, all those teams are going to be competitive, but I don't think any of them could beat us. The team that really right now uh, I I wouldn't want to see in the first round is is Philly, but I don't think they'll they'll drop that low. Well, they're sitting at four right now. Um, realistically, they're not going to be an eight seed. I think we should pay heed to the second round because realistically, we're playing the 76ers Pacers winner, um, which is a very tough second round matchup. I would be fine, honestly. I'd be fine with the Pacers, um, and. Uh, even Philly, like I know people are are are, <laughs> you know you, you you listen to the analysts. Oh, who do you like that has a chance to knock off, has a chance to knock off Cleveland there in the East? And they're oh you know watch out for those seventy sixers, right? Like as if the Raptors don't even exist, man, right? Um, but I think that in the NBA there's a truism: you gotta lose to to win. Uh, you know, you mentioned this when we were talking as well. They don't have enough shooting around their 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 two talented bigs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think the Raptors are extremely flexible with how we can guard. Like one thing about the Cleveland game, we didn't even do- try to double team LeBron. We played straight up. Mm-hmm. We can do that against any team in the league. We have the, the the defensive pieces against Embiid. Very few teams can actually put a body in front of him, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying JV could stop him, but he can make him work for it. 
right? Because he's roughly the same size as him. My issue with that, though, is that whenever LeBron James is on the court, you have to sort of always think about the double team. So you have that one player sort of floating between mm. the person they're guarding. And, and, and what happened was, you know, George Hill and Jose Calderon went off that night. You know, we got to give at least these point guards a little bit of respect and guard them at the perimeter or we're going to be shot out. Yeah, no, and 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 that's true, you know, and, and good for Jose, you know. I mean, you could. T- I like watching him play with LeBron because he's a cerebral player and and he's done his his time in the uh, NBA, you know. Uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, guys, we'll be back in a second. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break and talk about general NBA news. A big shout out to the guy who was providing our music, Malad Makimoto. Catch him on SoundCloud, Makimoto on SoundCloud. Here's one of his tracks. We are back. The second quarter, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Uh, so we'll start at the East. So we just talked about the Philadelphia 76ers. Markel Fultz played a couple days ago, his first game back from quite the lengthy, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we'll call it. What do you call it? And, and, and can we just, what is up with the Sixers and their rookies? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, going back, right? Like, like Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, okay? Weird, like, not playing, injuries, whatever. And then Joel Embiid goes out for several years, and uh, uh, Ben Simmons tears his ACL, and now Mark Earl Fultz has this like mysterious shooting stroke thing. Yeah, they're not a very transparent organization when it comes to divulging about there's, <laughs> there's some shady shit going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Mark Fultz came back, fantastic performance in his first game back. Eh, good um, performance. Yeah, relatively good. Uh, hey, he got blocked by Mason Plumlee twice. Fourteen points, eight assists, and fair enough. Sorry, I think it was 10, no, points. 10 points. 10 no, points, yeah. 8 assists in 14 minutes. Hey, his um, first step. Brandon, you were right. You were on this kid from early. His first step. That is one of the fastest first steps for a, a, a player that size I have seen since I saw a young Russ Westbrook. Well, it's a size and physicality. It's six foot four, six five. You know, But does he, he play physical? Well, that's the thing. You know what I mean? I think he's a type of guy that can eventually develop some bully ball mentality. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think right now he's got to focus on the P's and Q's before he actually starts uh, thinking mm-hmm. about the bigger grander scheme of things but um what is this, the ceiling for the 76ers we just talked about them like could they realistically take out toronto or the cleveland cavaliers no i don't think so they again you got to lose to win what are the limitations on their roster right now that, like, that will impede their ability to you know be the top of the east come you know, youth finals time? i again i think that really matters in the nba right like you just don't see young teams often uh, at least teams that are led by young players. I know they have the veteran guys there now, but look, those guys were available for a reason. They're like, you know, uh, they're 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 bench players, more or less, right? They're 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 journeymen. I think our rookies would absolutely expose, like, sorry, our our bench guys would absolutely expose mm-hmm. those old timers. I'm talking about Ily- Ilyasova. I'm talking about. Bellinelli. Daryl Sarich. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sarich. So, look, they got some good pieces, but, you know, and you bring this up too, the lack of shooting. I think, because you could just hack a Simmons, man. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I think we have we have the pieces to actually deal with them. Paul Pierce called at halftime when the Raptors played um, the Cavs that he doesn't think that the Sixers, sorry, he doesn't think that the Cavs would even make it past the Sixers. Now, to me, that's a backhanded Toronto compliment because you saw him this halftime. They all looked at him. So what do you think now about the Raptors, Paul? And instead of 
uh, praising the Raptors, he used that as an opportunity to say how bad Cleveland is, mm-hmm. right? Oh, even Philly could beat them. But I, I, again, I just don't think they have the experience, and they won't get those calls. But hey, man, like those two, like they're they're just freak athletes for their position, and like this is the last year that I can say confidently that the Raptors will knock them out. Let's put it that way. I think they can get past the first round and make noise in the second. I don't think they can reach a conference finals. It'll be interesting to see what happens, especially having what about Markel you? Fultz sort of solidify the secondary unit. It'll be interesting to see what happens, man. I, I think— What impact know, like, could he make, though, this late to come this late as a rookie, really? Sorry? What impact could he make? Like, what kind of an impact could you expect a rookie that just started? Like, it's actually odd to bring him back yeah, at this time. Yeah, but the thing is, he's not just some rookie. You know, like, yeah. obviously there's limitations to his game right now, but he's a type of guy— even right now, that could single-handedly yeah. take over a game, depending on the situation in the third quarter, playing against a second unit. Yeah, yeah, um, against, like, other young players, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, I know you're not big on the 76ers bench, but I think they have so much depth within the sense that they have guys that can take over games, depending on the night. You know, we talked about Darryl Sarge. I you just mean, think they're too old to deal with our bench. But what about guys like, like, I'm a big TJ McConnell guy. I know you absolutely detest TJ McConnell. I do not the detest DeMar him. the Rosen spat, but I think TJ McConnell's a guy that can get really hot really quickly. JJ Reddick can shoot the lights out as well. Um, I, I, you know, Ursan Ilyasova, Marco Bellinelli, and Jared Bayless don't necessarily move the needle, but there are guys that are, you know, can get really, really hot and, and, and dictate the pace. To me, game. to me, their starters worry me all. Like their starters are the uh, most efficient statistical lineup right now in the NBA. Our starters aren't actually that far behind them, which is was a shock to me. I was listening to David Griffin, the ex-Cavs GM, say this, but it's the our dude our bench. The Raptors bench, like, this is the best story right now in the NBA that no one in the American media is talking about. Like, and it's such a feel-good story. And, you know, like, they, they talk about, oh, Toronto needs a star or, like, a third star. That's our third star. Well, I think in correlation with what the Raptors are, which is essentially a wacky experiment, a team that went wrong. Yeah. That, you know, you just randomly tried to do your best to right the ship and then randomly over a couple of years we became one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. But 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 that that's the thing like it's such an odd story, it's such an anomaly mm-hmm. that you would think from a journalistic perspective, right? You would hear more people talking about it. But no, it's all about the television ratings. Stephen A. Skip Bayless. Are you talking about teams? The baby dinos. The baby dinos. Shut your fucking mouth, Stephen A. Smith. Shut up, Stephen A. Smith. I love you, Stephen. Uh, No, I don't. Uh, So going uh, to another team. So we're talking about a team that's on the upswing right now in the Eastern Conference. Let's talk about a team that's on the downswing in the Eastern Conference. Who's that? The Milwaukee Bucks, five and five. Yeah. I think coming in the season, you know, with Jason Kidd, your previous head coach, who got dismissed. Earlier in the season, there was a lot of hope and optimism toward this organization, especially with the evolution of Giannis Antetokounmpo with the kind of complementary parts and guys like Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton. But we're not seeing it this year. You know, we're seeing a, a, a team that's, you know, having issues sort of gelling their core units, especially getting Jabari Parker as part of the rotation, who went, what, one for six or something from the three-point line last night? Yeah. Um, hey, man, this is when, – when, when Kid was interviewed about – the struggles earlier on that 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 they were having, and they were you know because they were uh, above five hundred, but they had been underperforming based on what people thought they should or could be doing. And somebody asked them like, you know, what's going on? Like, how would you describe what's happening? He's like, we're just young. Mm-hmm. Like the team is just young. They don't know how to win yet. Uh, right there, they, it, it takes a while to build those habits. When your best, I, I mean, when your best player, uh, that's the thing, Giannis 
isn't a na- some of that. I feel like his scoring is he has to force score. Right. It doesn't happen within an offensive flow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the pieces around him. Like Chris Milton's having a fantastic season. Yeah. Brogdon's having a good second season as well. They have an awful center. Off John Henson is not John a competent Henson center. Don Maker, you know, like a very long, lanky guy. Is in theory, but Don Maker's too young, right? Right. But like he 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 gets exposed. It's also the two position as well. Like last night they were starting Jason Terry. You know Tony Snell hasn't really you know been that guy in the two position, and they just they can't fill an entire roster. Their bench is a little bit depleted. They just don't have the right pieces to put around Giannis. They have to have what's their point guard again? Malcolm Brogdon. No 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 no. no. Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Yeah they they really. I think they well, made like, a, a mistake with that. Well, they Bledsoe's, needed a shooter. Yeah, Bled- exactly. Bledsoe's not very like he's not the type of guy that's like to a, compliment. Exactly. He's more of a slasher driver, like I mentioned uh, before, like a bully ball type of guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not necessarily a competent outside shooter. But he's then, not really good yeah. at the open three as well, and that's what they need with Jonathan Tendakupo because they have to realize that he is your point forward. Yeah. The offense runs through runs him. Through him. And the only thing that matters is getting guys that can sort of play beside him, play sidekick, like Chris Middleton's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, I. I think <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. So let's say they're seven. I think they they could beat Boston, like especially with Boston doesn't have Irving now. Like well, he's out three, I, six I think weeks right now, Gordon Hayward's probably not going to play this season. No, he There's won't not, play. You know, Tatum's definitely having a little bit of a slump in the latter half of the season. There's not too many go-to guys on that team, Yo. with the exception of Terry Rozier, who's having a fantastic yeah. second half this year. But but still, I I see the Bucks even though they're they're struggling, and I don't think that, I don't think that they should have fired Kid, and their 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 uptake that they hit now, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, like the uptake that they got right after the firing has now kind of regressed. Well, what's the message they were trying to send out by firing Kid? Like, was it more of a sense of urgency, lack of development? Because that's my confusion. Because Jason Kidd was kind of that perfect coach that could grow up alongside these players. You know what I mean? Yeah, he there was, was no perfect pressure, mentor, for and him. the only thing that matters is evolving the current roster and the current talent they have. And having a good coach who can nurture that sort of talent, yeah, especially with continuity moving forward. You to know? me, I don't think it was an, an, a win-now urgency thing because if it was about that, you would let this season – because they had a good end of last season against a better Raptors team. They really took it to us. You would let the season go on more, I think, and kind of let them see out the year, and then you fire if they didn't do well in the playoffs, right? I, I think, look, Jason Kidd rubs people the wrong way, man. Like, he has a lot of kind of sw- – uh, like, he has his way of doing things. He's a basketball savant. Mm-hmm. He's not – you know, he had his def- – like, they, they, they mentioned the defensive schemes and that kind of thing. I I don't think that was it. I just think that the it, it was like an ownership thing where they just didn't like Kidd and they were looking for an excuse to fire him. Mm-hmm. That's what I think happened. And, you know, that's on them because they might now lose – their star because Jay Kidd was going to keep that guy there, mm-hmm. right? If Giannis is up for a contract renewal. Well, who knows like if he resigns? Skill set though, like he sort of emboldened that sort of like. He was sort of the perfect. Yeah, yeah. He would have taught Giannis how to develop a jump shot just like he did. He ah, don't get me started. All right, moving to the Western Conference. So we didn't really get an opportunity to talk about this last week. Uh, the Kawhi in- Leonard injury saga continues. <laughs> the saga. The, the quad injury. I'm using loose quotations with my hands right now. Um, so it, this is such a complex, difficult thing to sort of talk about because it, it's there's there's no direct right or wrong answer. Um, there's no clear facts about what exactly has happened. It's a, like the 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 waters have been muddied. It's very obfuscated. Like no, do you? Okay, so the injury itself. I, Right is well. He was. I think he was medically cleared by two separate doctors. He was medically cleared by the, by the Spurs, Spurs 
I right. Think, I think one of Kawhi's personal doctors cleared him, and the and then they one, went and got his uncle, who was his agent, right. reached out uh, to another doctor apparently, and he got evaluated, mm-hmm. and they said that he's not ready to go. Well, let's, let's take it to Kawhi Leonard for a second. So Kawhi Leonard's kind of cultivated this sort of specific personality trait of being this sort of like humble, yeah, like non braggadocious sort of yeah. player. You know, uh, a not player's a, yeah. player if that makes it. The coach's player, right? Yeah, not the um, type to to cause this sort of drama. Is, but does this drama sort of impact? The, the way people view him, you know, what I'm trying to get at his personality, the, the the characteristics that compose who Kawhi Leonard is. Because you have the, you know, Russell Westbrook is that fiery, tenacious, angry point guard. Kevin Durant's a big misunderstood forward, and Kawhi Leonard is that kind of soft-spoken, you know, like I said, players but, coach yeah. that guy. What? Who is Kawhi Leonard to you now? The the truth is though, Brandon, I, <laughs> you know, and our listeners, all five of them, will know. I I thought this was. Um, a little bit of gamesmanship by the Spurs to rest Kawhi, bring him, and that's what the Spurs invented this whole resting thing. This is what I I thought. As we go on, and you hear more like these leaks come out of the apparently there was a players meeting, but again, like we don't know that for sure, right? And uh, as you hear these leaks come out, and and you know the season goes on further, and Kawhi continues to not play, the thing that it makes me think that is, that that this really is some sort of like weird issue. When you have Manu Ginobili coming back this season purely for the pursuit of another championship ring, and he's leaving that room, and he looks like like he looks beat down, and, and basically tells the reporter, um, "Kawhi's not going to play this year." You know, Manu coming back for one more year, and the re- they might and leaving it all in the court this year, exactly. You know, what, like that, that just- but I never doubted that they're going to make the playoffs. Like I. I'm, I, you know, like I was saying this to to, to Graf, and he's like, "Oh, all the Spurs. If you look at where they just are, they're doing just off fine." These legendary San Antonio Spurs players like Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Kawhi just getting off his ass and coming on the court and just being there for his team is necessary right now. If if and any year, like if I just if, if, if Lamarcus Aldridge is having like a fantastic season, don't get me wrong, but the the needle oh, spins the with Spurs, Kawhi Leonard. Hey, the only the, way they can win the championship is with. Kawhi oh Leonard. yeah, okay, but but now that's and the even thing. looking at the landscape of the Western Conference, you know, like we'll talk about the Warriors in a sec, but that's one team, you know, that that that's you know in a little bit of a flux, hey, multiple injuries but, as well. But but now now on and that San note, San Antonio always has a recipe for the Houston Rockets run and gun offense as well. No, the, okay, look, the Spurs are. Their name is the Spurs, right? A spur. You know what a spur is, right? It's this like a lethal, right? Uh, I have no idea what a spur is. To be okay. completely honest with you. Well, look it up, right? It's it's it goes on the cowboy boots, right? It's a spur. It's a device with a small spike, or a spiked wheel that is worn on a rider's heel and used for urging a horse forward. Right? Okay. Think of that, right? And think about <laughs> think about the the surgical. Precision-like success, the 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 scientized uh, scouting, right? That the 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 ability that the Spurs have had over the years to just be one step ahead and to be ruthlessly efficient. Mm-hmm. This is so opposite to that, right? All this drama, okay? It and again, the the Spurs are known for resting players, like and pissing off the league and doing it. Look, let me just say this: if the Spurs play. The Warriors in the first round, and the and the Warriors don't have Steph Curry, and the Spurs bring out Kawhi Leonard. They will beat the Warriors because the Spurs are playing so good right now. Like every other player on the Spurs is elevated because Kawhi isn't there. It, like like they're all su- they're all having to do more than they would have to. So when Kawhi comes back, right, they'll they, they'll have the confidence to do less than they. 
were doing before, right? Like, if they could do more, certainly they could do less when Kawhi comes back, right? If I can hit... I don't know, man. I don't... Even with Steph Curry out, I can't see the San Antonio Spurs beating the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. I just don't think they have enough depth or experience. You guys like Kyle Anderson and DeJounte Murray, you know, the aging Tony Parker man, Ginobili. The it's Spurs, a, I think, are actually better this team, year. Though. It's but, a two-man team hey, this year. Don't, don't... Hey, man. I think they're better. If they had Kawhi playing the way that they've actually been playing without him, right? They're 10 games over 500 in the Western Conference, right? And and to see, and you know, Rudy Gay is an undervalued signing, and they kept him out half the year, too. They kept him out half the year, right? Uh, I think with Kawhi, if they, that would be the sweetest win <laughs> if the Spurs could do that, right? Because the Warriors, without Curry, that. That's the straw that stirs the well, drink there. Br- uh, broken finger. Durant's had some injury uh, issues the last couple of weeks. As but well. I, but I think the Warriors are. Don't you think they're just resting all of them? Do you really believe those injuries? No. Curry's his new one. I you can see it. Javale McGee's dumbass fell. Steve Kerr's like Clay, come here for a second so I can break your finger so I can rest you for a couple of weeks. <laughs> all right, coach, let's go. Um, all right, so moving to the last point of the uh, general NBA news. Uh, the Western Conference is kind of shaping up, but again, there's a little bit of a rat race at the bottom for the eighth seed. Um, how do you see this coming together, Gregory? Well, Gregory? as of now, especially after the Raps beat the Nuggets, I don't see the Clippers or the Nuggets catching. I, I think really, the Timberwolves... Really, Timberwolves are 4-6 and six from the last 10. That team's been a tailspin since Jimmy Butler went out. How many games back are the Clippers? Last time I checked, there's still a few games back, right? So the Minnesota Timberwolves are currently um, two games ahead of the Nuggets and a game and a half ahead of the Clippers. Mm. I don't know how the tie breaks work on that, but I think Butler is also due back before. And knowing Tom Thibodeau, he'll give him the quarter. 45 minutes yeah. first game back. Yeah, he's, he's going to give him the cortisol shot in yeah. the knee. <laughs> he's like John Voight and Remember the Titans. Like, ah! Put it in your knee. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. Like, John even- Voight. <laughs> your daughter's beautiful, John. All right, uh, yeah, like number even four through eight is kind of dicey. Like he got the thunder. What do you want? What do you think? You think you think the Clippers I think James getting- Vanderbeek was a great actor, but I think you know his <laughs> acting chops couldn't really translate to like cinema now. You know, can you see like James Vanderbeek replacing like you know what James Vanderbeek in Fast and Furious replacing Paul Walker would be fantastic. Like for me as the like late- my own, in, for my own inside joke. I, fucking I, Dawson and Fast and Furious. I, I I haven't seen any of those. They just look like cinematic garbage. I watched a bit of one of them, and Jason Statham was like this ruthless serial killer, and there was no plot line. <laughs> There's no continuity between the films. It's just like it's, it's like cars. A, it's like one episode of, of like Black Mirror, but like instead they're like hijacking some like airplane that has like gold going to bed or some shit like that with like fucking cars flying out, helicopters. Guys, we're losing direction. Let's get back to the topic at hand. See, we need Graffin here to keep us focused. Exactly. Um, so Thunder currently are what? Uh, My Thunder. Don't sleep on the Thunder. They're four games from Nuggets and uh, OKC are separated by four games, my friend. Yeah, four four games at this time. Like, they're not going to drop four. Like, they're fine. But, I mean, up. Uh, I saw their loss against Portland. Hey, has Carmelo Anthony fallen off? Yes. Did you see those shots? Roddy Brewer has replaced Carmelo Anthony basically <laughs> in the starting unit and putting up historical numbers for Ronnie, or for uh, Corey Brewer. Sorry, Corey Brewer. Yep. It's a clear indication that Carmelo Anthony is nothing. Nothing. You, like maybe you can bring him off the bench. Realistically, what value does he bring on the court? The guy doesn't defend. He's lazy. 
on the offense. He always kind of hawks up those four sort of fifteen foot jumpers. Yeah. He just he's not I don't know like he's not helping the team out. It's like a Derrick Rose situation. Like he may f- stuff the stats, but you know his plus minus on the court is obviously going to be in the negative. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who who's obviously a prolific scorer in the NBA, but his best years are behind him. I don't think he's someone that took exceptional care of his body over the years. He never really. But the thing is, a player like him, he didn't. His athleticism wasn't what made him go, which is why I thought that he'd be able to sustain a little bit. Well, the problem with him is the ego. The ego yeah, it still a, exists. You know what yeah. I mean? The most dangerous. He still thinks. Bill that, Simmons always says this, and I agree with him. The most dangerous guy to have is a guy who still thinks he's good. Yeah. And he's yeah. going to shoot his team out of a win at some point in the playoffs. That's my concern. He's going to think he's a go-to guy in the fourth quarter with 10 seconds left and run like an ISO play and just completely, completely fuck it. Well, I can see that happening 100%. I think, I think with the Thunder, it goes Westbrook, George, Stephen Adams, then Melo. Oh, Stephen Adams is having a fantastic season. He absolute, him and Westbrook absolutely gave the Raptors fits. Like, JV... I'm so, like JV. You gotta next time you play Adams, you gotta bring the man's part of the game. You gotta put some hard muscle into it, as Hubie Grab Brown him says. Grab by the metaphorical dick, JV. Huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys, we'll be back in a second talking some NCAA. Um, also, some guys whose draft stock has risen quite a bit after the first couple rounds. We're back in a second. So the NCAA tournament is winding down. We're down to the final four. Uh, give you a little bit of a recap, which you obviously know already. Loyola has beat Kansas State, uh, the 11th seed Loyola, 78-62. We also have the Michigan Wolverines coming through, being the Florida State. Um, Villanova obviously beat Texas Tech. And big upset, Kansas beat Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. I think Duke mm. lost the Blue Devils because of Sister Jean on Loyola because you don't want no Blue Devil in the Final Four. Sister Jean! That's just me. But uh, what are your impressions of the tournament so far? Having fun? Yeah, I've been I've been taking it in. You know, one moment really stuck out to me. Uh, the young the young Canadian boy on uh, Kentucky. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. Baby. I love that guy. He took the last shot for Kentucky. He's like, by the way, comp, he's like Rojan Rondo the jump shot yeah yeah that's actually I, I like that and he and he's a good player right and listen i i was listening to um what's his name mr calipari right the coach for kentucky i was listening to him so by, by the way so when shea gildas alexander went to kentucky he was a four-star recruit which is insane yeah canadian four-star recruit but typically when you get scouted by kentucky they're looking for those five, five stars mm-hmm. like kevin knox is in the of the world etc so uh, Shea Gildas Alexander came in off the bench and just worked his way to become the face of the Kentucky program this year. Yeah, he's he was their best player, but but on that note, right? I'm listening to all these interviews because the, there's all this controversy right now because hey, the cat's out of the bag. Those players are being exploited, and you know the coaches are the ones that, along with the NCAA, that are really profiting off off their talent, right? right. And you know, I was listening to Calipari. Uh, he has a podcast, and I was listening to a clip from it, and he's talking about 
you know, oh, I'm so concerned. So let me get this straight. Calipari can profit off a podcast, but a basketball yeah, it's stupid. player no, it's ridiculous. can't sign an autograph. For it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But he's going about, oh, what do we do about, you know, uh, 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 the education of our children? Like, and how are we going to educate? And then he goes, and, and the minor league system that exists in baseball, he goes, wouldn't work because we're dealing with a different demographic. So he's trying to say, like, we're dealing with, like, young black kids. Like, and they need to be educated, he goes, right? But this is my point with him. The value he, of going one year yeah. to Kentucky and it, taking, oh, it's so uh, stupid. No, full of, Right, uh, it's so, it just reeks of, of hypocrisy. But but here's my point with him. I, I mentioned that, that that shot by Alexander, right? Prior to that shot, they were showing clips of, uh, of the coach at halftime talking about how this team has really, you know, he's embraced his role as a caregiver with the group and mentoring them, and they're not as good, but he's like their emotional leader. The kid misses the shot. He's right beside his coach. He gets up, he buttons his jacket, and he storms off. Doesn't even hit this kid's head is down. You couldn't feel, and I've been in moments like that as an athlete and as a coach. You never feel worse. You never feel more alone. You never need a coach more to just put. All it takes is him putting his hand on him. It's all about you, Calipari. It's all about you and your program. Same thing with this, the Duke game. Man. And this See, prick, right? So the Duke game um, that went to overtime. Coach K was sort of uh, talking to his team in their little huddle. Took a timeout instead of actually having conversation with the team. He was just screaming at the referee the entire time <laughs> in overtime of an NCAA March Madness game. It's like, just what? he's got. It's like it's like like Coach K, you know, yeah. the Duke program, yeah, Calipari, yeah, Kentucky, yeah, like, yeah. Like, so like, we get those calls. Yeah, we man. get those calls. Yeah, too many. Like oh God, like these guys making three, four million dollars, and like even going back to like payment, like you get like a journalism student who like will write an article freelance and sell for five hundred bucks, let's say. Yeah. But why can't these kids like Shabazz Napier literally? said i've gone to bed hungry on several occasions throughout my career at connecticut yeah no it's 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 exploitation and you know what look and the other week you know graph was here and he's like well i don't think race has anything to do with it and i'm telling you you look at, at some of these schools kansas kentucky duke right and you have a product of of predominantly young black males many of them coming from uh lower class backgrounds and they're surrounded by a white audience well even that like growing up like you are that sliver of hope for a community, right? You're but, that guy who's coming out of that community and, you know, potentially make it to the NBA. And you have so many people in your ear, you know, so many hands in your pocket, and you don't know who to trust. Yeah. And they're telling you, you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. You know, yeah. jump right from high school to the NBA. And, mm-hmm. they, and even these coaches who should be nurturing these kids and, yeah. you know, are not yeah. doing that at all. It's a bunch of people who have exterior motives as yep. opposed to just making sure the kid is the best possible human being and ambassador of the game they can be. And, and and that is exactly, and that's why we need more people like Sister Jean. Sister Jean, what a friggin' great story, man. Uh, every team should have an elderly individual from their community who just follows the team around. So my concern with her, though, it's like you heard of the meme online called the milkshake duck? No. So, like, <laughs> basically what it is, it's like, oh, cool, it's a duck drinking a milkshake. Oh no! Five minutes later, we found out the duck's racist, so we don't like the duck anymore. And that's my fear with Sister Jean. It's like, oh, we love her; she's great. Someone's gonna dig some dirt on her. She has done some salacious shit in the past. Not everyone is clean. I don't give a fuck. Like if you're she, a sister. she taught it like okay? she taught it like a residential school or something in the '60s or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking some of the devil's lattice. I mean, you know, listening to some Miles Davis or some shit like that. You know. <laughs> hey, but there. Hey, I, at this point, 
she gives that school like a superpower, man. Like, you know, her presence, there's something there. I yeah, would love to see that. You me off as well? She's like, um, she didn't have Loyola going past the eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. oh, I've got a backup bracket. Like, come on. <laughs> a backup bracket. I don't give a shit if you No, man, I respect that. No one deserves that. to have a backup bracket. She's true to it, though. I actually like that. It's like, yo, truthfully, I didn't have you guys going past this. But prove me wrong, right? But she's realistic, Let's Say that. Right? Say that. Prove me wrong. Don't say I got a backup bracket. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, so, also talking about the NCAA, Greg, are there any guys out there whose stock you think has risen based on their play currently in the tournament? Any names come to mind, Sunshine? I really liked what I saw out of Alexander. I'm trying to think. I got a couple names here. Do you mind if I throw them at you? What's, right the, hey, what's the young guy that, uh, the guy you think the Raptors should go uh, draft second round? Oh, uh, Svadislav Mikalik, man. Yeah! Yeah, I, I like him, guy. too. Yeah, there was like five open threes and finally got the game winner, so I guess he's kind of clutch. You know, I like him, though. As a six foot eight multi-position defender, a guy who can drain the open three, develop and do maybe a 40% three-point shooter, that's what we need. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of guys, like, we, we don't have any massive holes as an organization, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. with their depth or bench. But it's either taking you can a guy invest like in that, some like young shooters or just swing for the fences. There's a couple guys that come to mind. Um, first off, I'm going to go with Mikhail Bridges on Villanova. You yes, know, and, and, yes, and I, yes. I love Mikhail Bridges. And yeah. the reason why I like him is that he falls out of the you know top seven, top eight of this draft because this draft's kind of known for its top-tier talent and then everyone else afterwards. I like him because he is the perfect complementary guy to like a really good cast of players already. He's like a Trevor Ariza, a guy that can slide in and play the three or the two. A glue guy. Exactly, and you don't need to run plays for him. He's always going to be positionally in the right spot. He's always going to be an efficient player on both sides of the of the court. Um, he's like a classic swingman, and that's why I really like Mikel Bridges. I also like his teammate Jalen Brunson as a second-round draft pick. Like, listen, he's not the flashiest point guard in the draft, but he's a, like a pretty solid shooter who drained drain the ball virtually anywhere on the court. This is the Villanova point guard. Yeah, he's a good rebounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guard, kind of solid defensively. Very smart player. The thing with him, though, he's kind of unselfish to a fault. You know, yeah, you need to be able to score. Kind of got short NBA. arms, which might kind of impact his play well, defensively, well, picking the pocket as well. Well, look at Van Vliet, though. Look at Van Vliet. Exactly, exactly. Right? The guy I like a lot as, as well is Javon Carter in West Virginia as a second-round pick. He's a guy whose stock is definitely yeah. quite a bit. I love Very, watching West Virginia do that press. He's such an aggressive defender, though. He's such a smart player, great feel for the game, You know, really capable shooter, but he's not the greatest athlete, so may be a second-round guy. But as a guy coming off your bench, a guy that can be, you know, like – your sixth, seventh guy. Don't mind yeah. Javon Carter. And my guy, and I think he's going to go next year, is Rui Hachimura on Gonzaga. And they did the oh, same shit. Oh, yeah. I but, saw him. But they did the same shit last year with Zach Collins. It's like this guy on the bench, you know, this like mm -hmm. five-star recruit, and then toward the latter half of the season, close to the they March bring Madness, him on. they bring him off the bench. right? Yeah. He might go top five next year. And, you know, Really? He might go top He's five. He's not a year. top five pick. He is, is he? absolutely. Next year, I think he might be a top five, top ten pick. And one of the biggest reasons why I like him is that he's from he, his fa parents are from Benin in West Africa, but he was born and raised in Japan. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. The first language he learned was Japanese, man. Yeah. And, and I'm half Japanese, so I have to have a soft spot for uh, for my boy, Rui. There you go. Hey, I, you know who I think is kind of overrated is this Bagley fellow. Yeah, Graffin's gonna kill you. If no. Graffin was here, he would be. Yeah, but I've I've always said this about Bagley. This is nothing. New he's a he's a okay. Me. He's a real okay, but because he's younger. Okay, I didn't know. Okay, he's he's a year younger. He is a great athlete, an amazing athlete. But I, you know, when a player like that could almost use more time in development, because when he gets into the league, it's like development's over. We need you to do specific things, and then he'll be put towards. Uh, 
you, he seems like the kind of guy that's getting away with certain things that he wouldn't get away with because in the of NBA athleticism, because of his athleticism and his height. Yeah. The comp that always scared me, and I heard this from Sean Fennessy of the Ringer, it's a seven foot tall Michael Beasley, and that's what I see out of him. Someone who's really good at most things in basketball, but doesn't really excel at one specific thing. He's no, not but a great Beasley shooter. can score. He's not a great post up guy. That's the thing. He's not a great doesn't... rebounder. He's not a great passer. He's really competent in all facets of the game, but doesn't really excel at any. I. I just haven't and seen And his athleticism him. is allowing him to do what he's doing. I, he's I just I haven't seen – he doesn't have a polished – you know, you look at a player like Jason Tatum and how he has an offensive skill set. Mm-hmm. When I see Bagley, I just see raw athleticism. See, I see that. It's, it's very similar to, like, when Giannis came out. You know what I mean? In the right situation, in the right nurturing yeah, environment, yeah, yeah. Bagley could be one of the best players in the draft. I've always said that. He has one of the biggest upsides when it comes to the prospects of this draft. Yeah. Maybe the biggest out of anyone, but it has he to just go didn't, the right He team. didn't have a big impact in the tournament. And that's the only time that I saw him play, at least when I was watching him. I don't know about the other games. Well, he the could. big conversation was, you know, people were actually saying that Wendell Carter was a more enticing option in the top ten. They would take Wendell Carter over Bagley. That, that's the I center Which I don't due. agree with, because you you got to draft Bagley for his upside. Yeah. But... It's 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 tough for me to have him in my top three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Graf. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back in a second. Greg's got a nice, nice gripe. Greg, what's your gripe today, buddy? Give it a little bit of a tease. Dwayne Casey, Coach of the Year. Put some respect on his name. like to try to predict who will be the award winners at the commencement of the season. Uh, I guess people are starting to cast their vote for All-NBA. But one discussion that we've constantly had on this podcast is who is most deserving of the Coach of the Year. There's multiple candidates this year. I know Stephen A. Smith mentioned Mike D'Antoni. The biggest douche in the universe award, Stephen A. Smith. You love Stephen A. Smith. Um, but for you, Greg, there's only one guy that comes to mind. Only one guy. The, look, the, the Coach of the Year race is over it's over unless the raptors lose uh, unless they lose first place in the east and we get swept in the first round no but that doesn't even matter right because it's all regular season these things get voted on Dwayne casey is the coach of the year uh i i I don't you know i'm i'm listening to i i think it it was a philadelphia game because i was watching to see markel fultz and i'm listening to these philadelphia commentators and they're like Doing this whole thing, oh, you know, Brett Brown is 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 the coach of the year, should be in the consideration for coach of the year. If not him, then who? Well, let's go through it. Oh, what about um This had to happen eventually with seventy sixers. They had to be good at some point. You just accumulate first overall picks, they have to be decent at some time. I'm yeah. taking anything away from Brett Brown. I think he's a fantastic coach and I do love I think it's like the Brooklyn sort of like northeastern accent. Love Brett Brown. Love him to death. Fuck that. He, but look he's at not the, the talent co- on that team. No, he, and he's not the coach of the year, right? Like you're a fourth place team. Right when you have like all world young talent, of course they're going to get better. Shouldn't even it's disrespectful to even consider having a conversation about this year. That's the way I view it. No, but then they're listing out. Okay, well, who else would be in the running? And it's like, okay, they go through. Well, obviously, uh, Brad Stevens, the job he's done in Boston. It's oh my God, Mike D'Antoni got Chris Paul and and James Harden to play together. It's fucking Chris Paul and and James Harden. And then that was the other person he said. (laughs) They're like, they're like, oh, and of course, you know. Uh, a lot of people How are they going to stagger their minutes? Yeah, it's right. Paul and James Harden. Brandon, if you were coaching that 
Houston team, you would get 45 wins out of them just by telling Harden to go iso ball. If I was playing small forward for the Houston Rockets, they would still get 50 fucking wins. <laughs> look, wait, and here's look. It's very simple. Like the, the the case for Dwayne Casey is such a strong one, but you know, and and you can listen to some clips. You know, Doc Rivers is talking about it. He's like, you know, not a lot of people are talking about it, but Dwayne Casey has done such a fantastic job. Like, and he's saying that, like, come on, Toronto, like advocate for him, right? I love that. Finally, one good thing is coming out of Doc's mouth, as opposed to the, just the redundant bullshit that. <laughs> well, but but uh, like, th- so think about this, right? This is a guy that, ha- first of all, he's an old coach that has gone through quite a journey. Okay, and I know this is just about one year, but I don't think. You, you take into the whole scope here, right? This is a guy that has built a program that is now peaking, and he took a team that won 50-something games and made them better by introducing a new philosophy. You taught an old dog new... Well, first of all, you as an old dog adopted new tricks, and then you taught your puppies, mm-hmm. right? Like, like he actually taught the players, and he convinced the stars of his team to actually buy into that. He's a ba- lifelong basketball fan. That's what I love about Dwayne Casey. There have been so many obstacles in his past that, you know, you can, you, you can look at that. You can look at, you know, his dismissal from Kentucky. You could talk about, you know, him having to go to Japan. Japan! The opportunity for him as a head coach. That's resilience, and it's amazing to see him to get to this point right now yeah. where he's in the consideration for coach No, the this year, is or he his be the coach fucking the year. year. No, it's his <laughs> year because of all those things that you said, right? Yo, Brad Stevens, you're going to get another shot at it, pup. Right? This is this, this is Big Daddy's time. This is Dwayne Casey's time. He's called Dwayne Casey Big Daddy. I did just call him that, right? But look, because it's such a compelling case, right? Like you're you're this guy reinstituted an offense, right? This guy brought up a young bench, right? The best story in the league this year that no one's talking about is this bench. The, these are players that Dwayne Casey has his fingerprints all over. They're we defense talk about first John players. Calipari, we talk about Coach K. We talk about ego. You know, yes. ego of self-preservation. Yes. And you talk about a guy like Casey who doesn't give a shit about himself, who only yes. cares about the team. And if it, this could have gone really wrong. If you're changing up your team from a heavy ISO organization to a team that emphasizes on positions, basketball, and three-point shooting, oh, yeah. a lot could go wrong this hey, year. That's what it Doc takes a said. lot of guts and gusto to really experiment with that. Sort and, of- and that's what Doc Rivers said in this interview. He goes, you know, when, when we played them in the exhibition games in Hawaii, I saw them doing that, and I kind of laughed. I'm like, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. He said, because I've been around the NBA. When you tried to institute things, and when things go wrong, the guys just go revert back. So, so the fact that it's stuck, the fact that it's led us to first place in the East, by far, mind you. And then the fact that he's brought in this young bench. And if we just watch the guy make these like unconventional substitutions, this is a guy that is finding productive minutes for Bay Bay Nagara. Right? This is a guy he, he plays like a 13-14 man rotation. Right? And and again, to me, this is the best story he in the league. Nogara to be put him in a situation where no Garrett can just be himself. He's like, fuck it, I'm gonna get a face tattoo now. No, and, and you know who I think deserves <laughs> a lot of credit too from because of JV's success is actually Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey has been the hardest on JV, but it's the toughest kind of love. Because he knows that it that he knows, man, he won a championship with Tyson Chandler, and he knows what it takes to be a successful big man in this league. JV had like four blocks last night right that's because he's been benching his ass for years for not moving his feet put some respect on Dwayne Casey's name coach of the year Dwayne Casey all right guys seven games left in the season uh we're gonna wind it down right now we'll be back next week see you in the playoffs peace out T-Dot